your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can also catch me as the host of Leafs Lunch every Monday to Friday at noon on TSN 1050. Also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to your podcast. Leave a rating and a review. That would be much, much appreciated. And hey, Make us your first listen of the day. This is a daily podcast, so make sure that you're subscribing to the show and get that daily Leafs content directly to your devices. Uh, once again, I'm Mike DiStefano. Uh, joined tonight to discuss the Maple Leafs victory over the Philadelphia Flyers is my good buddy and friend of the show, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Dave, what's happening? Not much, man. Just... Uh... Nice to see a bounce-back effort, especially in a tough environment like Philadelphia. So, feeling, feeling pretty good there. Yeah, that, that, that was a, it is a tough environment. And, and that was a great bounce-back effort, I thought. Um, Supi obviously bounces back. I think he was kind of the story of the game, a 36-8 performance uh, for the Maple Leafs. Actually became the first Maple Leafs goaltender to shut out the Flyers in Philadelphia um, since Eddie Belfour did it in November of 2002. November 29th, 2002 was the last time a Leafs goalie was able to, to go in there and uh, into Broad Street and get, the, get a shutout. So, you know, Soupy, man, he, he played pretty incredible tonight. Yeah, I, I felt like there were times in that game, especially with the game tied for most of it, that yeah. he really kept them, you know, he did what he couldn't do in the Monday game, which was – you know, keep the team in check and allow them the chance to build towards getting a lead. Well, they scored first, right? Like, and when the Leafs score first, it, it, it's easier, right, to, to do that as opposed to having to always try and keep your team in it. When you score first, it gives you that little bit of a cushion, and then the next goal is kind of the, the, the big teetering point, and Campbell just didn't allow the next goal, right? Eventually, William Nylander scores on the power play, and then Andre Kasha finally breaks the streak of 16 straight goals by the core four when he scored in the third period there. But I almost want to call this like a team shutout. You know what I mean? Like, no, in football, you could call like a, a coverage sack because just because the coverage was so good, it allowed the, the defensive lineman to get to the quarterback because there was no one for him to throw it. I almost feel like, like it, there's got to be a term, and I'm just going to call it a team-related shutout here for Jack Campbell. Like, yeah, you know, he, he made 36 stops, and – Good for him. There was a couple maybe that he had to make some big ones, but only four high danger chances throughout the entire game. The Leafs did a really good job of keeping the Flyers to the outside, keeping them to the perimeter. They didn't allow them to, to kind of get in front into Campbell. The average shot distance tonight on Jack Campbell, 49.45 feet, basically 50 feet from the net. Dude, Jack Campbell's going to stop 36 bucks at a 36 if you can keep the shots to damn near 50 feet from the net. So, you know, when, when a team plays, buys in and plays well defensively like that, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, afterwards, I know Campbell said, you know, oh, it, it wasn't just me. You know, the boys played great in front of me. Typically, you know, he says that after every win, 
But tonight specifically, I agree with them. It was just an all-around team win and a team-related shutout. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, late in the game. And, like, yeah. you look at, um, you know, when when the team has a comfortable lead and, you know, the goalie has the good old uh, S-word you don't like to say during the game, you want you want to kind of, you know, hone in on making sure that he gets that shutout because it means a lot to a goalie to get that little uh, extra sh- uh, boost of confidence. And I, I think what was most important, too, is that their play on the penalty kill was, I think, the biggest difference in this game because, you know, they took some not-so-great penalties that could have put them in a hole. And, you know, they made some great blocks. They they did their best to make sure that there weren't second chances in front and that Campbell had room to move. Because if you look at that L.A. game, you know, there was a lot of action going on in the crease. They were not clearing out the front very well. Well, and they were crashing the net. Like three of those four goals were literally just like they were on top of him, whether it was a power move from Athanasio, a power move from Trevor Moore, or, you know, Deneau, who's right in front of the goaltender, kicking the puck away. Still not sure how that was called a goal, yet they didn't want to give Nylander the goal tonight. Meanwhile, I mean, that was very clearly just a deflection. They did reward him the goal afterward, but how they even, like, tried to wave that off and the fact that Keith had to use his coach's challenge is asinine to me. But, yeah, they, they didn't allow any of that. They did a good job of, of keeping everything to the outside, allowing Campbell to kind of, you know, be in his net and, and not be shaken, uh, shaken at all, keeping him comfortable just in his crease because there's no one in his paint. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at this game, there weren't there were moments where Campbell had to, you know, it, the, the saves didn't look great or they looked a little awkward. But for the most part, I think it was a save and he covered it up. Like there wasn't a lot of opportunities where Philly could get that extra chance. And I think that's that's where the Leafs defense thrives mm-hmm. in that, as you, as you stated earlier, keep them to the outside or, if, you know, if Jack's going to have to stop one, make sure there's not, you know, a cheap one to get by uh, you know, on the second effort. You know who's underratedly really good at that? Um, like clearing out the garbage. Like when Jack Campbell makes a stop and there is a rebound, but they're to clear out the garbage and so often, you know, send the puck the other way. David Camp. David Camp yeah. is really good at that. And I think that's why we often see this third line, like on the counterattack. Because you know the opposition, they'll they'll get a, a shot on goal and they'll they'll be in the offensive zone, and then you know Campbell make the stop, a rebound comes out into the slot, but David Camp is right there, like he supports so well. That's what he's that's what he is, right? He's a defensive defenseman or a defensive centerman, right? That's that's kind of his shtick, but he's always always there to collect the garbage and send it up ice for guys like Engvall and Kasha, who you know consistently game by like game after game every single night. They seem to have a couple of chances and spend a lot of time in the offensive zone. And it's because of those like kind of subtle plays that I find camp has, has been able to make. Um, and, and, you know, Matthews will kind of did that a little bit tonight too. Tavares will battle and fight in front of the net. You know, I, I think that the, when this team is buying in defensively and they're supporting each other and playing defense as a five man unit, they truly are like a really solid team. Yeah, I mean, no no team, I think people kind of overestimate the impact forwards can have on defensive play. Like, we always look at uh, which defenseman screwed it up, which defense, you know, 
or which team has the toughest, uh, you know, blue line or t- uh, shut down unit. Well, the unit, it's a five man unit. There's five guys in that zone that all can play a factor. Yeah. I think David Kemp, you know, people can talk about how he's not a very good offensive player, but that's not why he's here. He's no. here to be that defense. <laughs> like, Throughout his career, he's never been a good offensive player. He's been a good defensive player. The Leafs have needed that, especially on the penalty kill, you know. And Which, again, four for four. Like, they've, they've, they've been outstanding. I think they've killed off, what, like 14 or last 15 or something like that. Like, they've been on a good little, a good little run here on the PK. Yeah, and it's not like the op- uh, opposition hasn't had opportunities. I mean – uh, the Boston game, even LA, like they, they've been, they've had, I think that's one of the bright spots. I think yeah. this season is their penalty kill hasn't, we'll see how that goes later in the year. You know, a team can get off to a hot start and other teams will make adjustments. But what I, what I like most about that third line with camp is that Kasha and Angval have the speed to do that counterattack that he doesn't necessarily have to, move it out himself, he can easily yeah. just say, here, here you go, take it out. <laughs> and, and we saw that tonight, right? Like we saw that on a couple of opportunities where it's it's Engvall, he'll carry the puck in and they'll go in on two-on-one. Akasha went in on two-on-one with Engvall, but he wasn't able to get the shot off. Um, and then Kasha's goal, I I guess Kerfoot was on the ice, so I don't think Camp yeah. was on the ice because yeah, he was. It, like came off of a, a power play, I guess. It was right coming off of, of, of a power play, so that would make sense. But even then, it was like they kind of um, – that was just a good hustle play, you know, starting from the defensive zone, and they just counterattacked, went into the offensive zone, and then a good play by Kerfoot to kind of round around the net, get off his man. I think it was Justin Braun just kind of beat him and then saw Kasha just kind of parked out in the slot and, and you know, one-timer right up there, and he puts in the back of the net, and that was the first – time in 16 goals that uh, or 17 goals rather that somebody not named Tavares Marner Matthews or Nylander put the puck in the back of the net for the Maple Leafs the first time that a player not one of those core four scored in the month of November like that's that's how how long it's been since you know the depth had scored the streak was broken tonight you know who else who like could have also added to that streak and, and ended that streak uh, a little bit earlier in the night. Nick Ritchie. Can we call this a Nick Ritchie breakout game, Dave? Um, I, I, I would say that he's had opportunities, but I feel like tonight he was doing it in the right areas. He w- I mean, I, I saw it a little bit against Tampa where he was, he was starting to get into the areas he needed to get to. Yeah. He's a big body he can bully his way to the front of the net. He can bully his way into the slot. But then he went cold again in Boston and L.A. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and the thing is, is I think it also helps if he plays with players that can kind of up his usage and his confidence in that regard. I mean, that's why maybe they thought, let's get him up with Marner and Kerfoot. He can kind of play off of them a little bit. And – I think, you know, on that Nylander goal, you know, he had an opportunity himself. And the second time around, I think the best thing for him is that he didn't decide to be selfish and try to take that shot again. Give it to the guy with the hot hand. Yeah. Right? Make the, make the you know, don't be predictable. Make the defense think, okay, he's not going to take the shot. 
now we have to kind of respect the pass a little bit from him. And I, I think that was probably the best play of the night in terms of, you know, making making the right play on the power play because so many times either this team will make too many passes or they will maybe shoot into you know into traffic where a guy was probably a little more open. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I checked this earlier and it's still yeah. He led the team in individual expected goals, 0.63 expected goals, which almost doubled the next guy. Uh, this is at five on five. Almost doubled the next guy at Nylander, and he played significantly less minutes. So, you know, Nick Ritchie was, was rather dangerous in the, in the small amount of time that he had played tonight. Led the entire team with seven shots on goal. Um, you know, like you said, had that one really good look in the slot on the power play. By the way, I really like that uh, that that new look, like that new play that they're setting up in the power play every now and then, where they get Marner down low and then they use the bumper roll as, as an offensive position. I see it happen a lot in Vancouver with Bo Horvat, kind of in that as that bumper roll, but they use it as an offensive role as opposed to a, distri- a distribution role, and they can get some good shots. Right, you feed it down low and then you pop it back up top, and then you get a one timer off exactly the way that they scored it the other night against uh, it was what Matthews who scored the goal the same way. And then tonight, Richie had a really good look too um, off that same opportunity. And then a couple minutes later, like you said, a couple seconds later, really uh, makes that nice backhand pass to Nylander who uh, scored his second of the night. So I do want to give some love to Nick Richie calling it a breakout game is probably a little bit hyperbolic uh, because he didn't like score, I suppose, but did get an assist. And I thought that he looked good. And when you consider what Nick Ritchie has been this season, like this relatively to how he has played, he's looked the the most dangerous I think he's ever looked. The issue that I have with Ritchie though, is just like, like he looks like even on PP two all year, he's actually looked really dangerous. Like he's battling for pucks. He's really aggressive on the power play. I don't understand why he doesn't bring that same assertiveness to his five on five play. I just don't, don't understand why he can't do that more often at least. Uh, it's probably a question Sheldon Keith is asking of himself because he yeah. keeps throwing him into these opportunities and he's saying, guy, I'm giving you a chance to play in the well, top six. He has a night like tonight. And then you understand why Nick Ritchie is, was given kind of the 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 contract that he was or, or given the opportunities and the chances that he's been given but then he just never takes advantage of them tonight he actually finally took advantage of being thrusted into the top six role with Tavares being out Kerfoot moved into the middle and, and they had to kind of find somebody else to put up in the top six and they said all right let's give Richie one more look and I thought that he actually did pretty pretty good for uh, for for the Leafs and for Sheldon Keefe tonight yeah, I think that's that's something that they can build off of. I think it was also important that how many times have we seen if I with Tavares out or even Matthews out, it always seems like it's a struggle for other guys to step up. Yeah, uh, Kerfoot. I I think if if I'm gonna be honest, I think Kerfoot is. I think it started in the playoffs. Really has really understood what he needs to do when he gets moved to center. I don't know what it is. Like in the past, we're just like, oh, this guy should be a center. This is what the team needs him to be. But and they he, move him to the wing. Because the issue is, I think the problem is like they're trying to make him a third line center in a checking role. And and 
for whatever reason, it doesn't work, which is funny because he's actually a pretty good penalty killer. You would think that he would be able to, you know, handle the defensive responsibilities as a centerman. But for whatever reason, it doesn't work as, as a third-line center or a bottom-six center. But then he gets moved up and he plays with some big boys and he gets more offensive responsibilities, I guess. And, it, it, you know, you see flashes where it's like, okay, this guy does have, you know, some, some real good talent. Like, there's something there. And you're right, when, when he was centering a line after Tavares went down the playoffs last year with Nylander and Galchenyuk, they were the scariest line in the playoffs last year. The first few games of the year when the big boys weren't going, when Matthews and Marner weren't doing any, or uh, Tavares and Marner weren't doing anything when Matthews missed the first few games, it was Kerfoot, Bunting, and Nylander who were driving all the offense. So when Kerfoot is given that opportunity in the top six to play the middle, he has succeeded. I don't know why when he's moved out to the wing or when he plays lower in the lineup, it just it doesn't work as well. But, you know, when, when Tavares or when Marner or uh, uh, Matthews aren't in the lineup and he's put into that number two hole in the center slot down the middle, it seems to work. I, I just, again, it's like Nick Ritchie. It's like, why? Why doesn't it work this, like, in, in other ways? It's, everything has to be so perfect for you guys to, to, to pop. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and uh, I think, I mean, that goal that, from Kasha, like, that's, that's incredible vision. You know, oh. he's, he's going, he's hustle he's, too. That's, that's hustle, yeah. right? Like, like there's a loose puck, right? Like it's going, it's, it's in the, the offensive zone. There's a loose puck. You're battling. It's kind of a foot race with Braun. You beat him and then you even beat him around the net. You lose him and it allows you to get enough space to, to pass it up to Kasha. Who's able to put in the back of the net. It's like, that was just a, a straight effort play from Kerfoot that ended up in, in a Kasha goal is what that was. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, when they keep talking about, oh, what's it going to take for a guy other than the core four to score on this team? It's pretty simple that they, it's going to, it all comes down to effort, putting yourself in a position to get those opportunities. Yeah. Kasha did it tonight. Um, you know, Richie could have had a few himself. It's effort, it's, you know, willing to get into those areas to score. And I think, we're, you know, maybe this is a game that they can build off of because, you know, people keep saying the success or failure of this team will happen with what happens with the core four. Eventually, they got to get the other guys going because yeah. it's going to get tougher for the, to rely on four players to do be your offensive weapons. Yeah, absolutely. But like, what's interesting is is tonight wasn't really even like a a, a dangerous night for the Maple Leafs either. You know, like. You take a look at some of the advanced numbers, the expected goals. They're only expected to score, what, 1.84 at 5 on 5. Um, the expected goals, 4 percenters, only 52%. They weren't really that dangerous. They only had nine high-danger chances, five of which came in the third period. So, you know, through the first half of that game, it was pretty low event, you know, like very, very low event. It was 9-4, or it was actually only four to two in high danger chances uh, for the Maple Leafs the first two periods. So it was quite low event. And, you know, with, with Tavares out, I suppose, you know, he's a guy who de- who's been battling hard in front of the net. So, you know, ideally you, you have a little bit more effort in front of the net with Tavares out, somebody else who takes that mantle. Uh, Richie did it, did it a little bit later in the game. Um, the first half, not as much, but later in the game, he certainly did and had a couple of good opportunities. Um, but I, overall, I, I think this was a, a pretty good, complete 
victory. Still some things, like they, they still got to do a better job of fighting for offensive ice, like getting getting to those dirty areas. Like you take a look at the heat map, um, not much going on in front of the goal crease. Like really nothing. But most of their shots came from within the face-off dot. So they weren't doing a great job of getting into – uh, getting to Carter Hart, much of the same way that they did a good job of, of boxing out guys so that Campbell had clear sights. Carter Hart had some clear sights tonight too. So, um, you know, eventually I think like a perfect game, you could say that there was, you know, a, a, a beat red uh, right in front of the goal crease on the, heat, on the heat map, but they didn't really fight for that center ice too, too much tonight. But I'm not going to dwell on it. They got the victory, 3 nothing. Um, and I'm just happy that they bounced back after a, a lackluster performance against LA. Yeah, very much so. Um, actually, lastly, Justin Hall kind of um, got put back into the lineup tonight after missing uh, the last few games sitting up in the press box. What would you make of his return to the ice? Um, see, I, I, I tried very hard to not be – too critical of it because he hasn't played for so for five games, but I'm worried about his decision making with the puck. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were a lot of opportunities where he could have gone the puck out, then Philly put some pressure on him and it led to a turnover or yeah. it led to a very you know unclean you know whatever he wants to call it, if it's a pass or if it's just a trying to get the puck out. He's he's really struggling with his decision making. But the good thing is, is that he's, you know, put, he's blocking shots because yeah. I, I, I think that's an asset that he has, whether he's looking to do it or not. And he, he four, didn't get yeah, four block shots tonight. So he did a good job getting in those shooting lanes and being physical, which is what you need. But you're right. It's those it's those turnovers and those, you know, split decisions that those mistakes that are, are sometimes costly. It didn't cost him tonight. You know, Zach, uh, Jack Campbell bailed him. Like, even Muzzin, too. Muzzin had a couple of, couple of turnovers tonight in his own end, too, which, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly what we saw through the first couple of games, which is slightly concerning after it seemed like maybe Muzzin had turned a corner, but maybe that was just the fact that he was being propped up a little bit by TJ Brody. You know, now he's back with Hall, and it's like, ah, what's going on here? What's going on here, boys? Want to figure it the hell out? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the Jack Campbell, though, bailed them both out tonight. But hopefully it was more so I'm hoping just kind of shaking the cobwebs off after sitting up in the press box for a few games. Um, I think you'll get a couple of, a couple of games here. I, I'd be shocked if they, uh, if they go right back to Dermott and pull him back out for Friday's game against the Flames. I think they'll give him a run a couple of games to try and find his legs again and hope that something turns around because they kind of need him to. <laughs> to be honest, they need him to play in the top four and be effective, I suppose, in the top four. Um, but if not, I mean, this, this team might have to, to make a move because Dermott ain't it. Paul's probably not it. And if that's the case, I mean, if this is a team that does want to contend for a Stanley cup, I think they're going to have to get themselves another top four defenseman. Yeah. I think they need, I think what TJ Brody allowed did on that line was he's not, he's able to get the puck out. He'll skate it out, but he's, he's a smart defenseman when it comes to clearing the zone. And that's, I think what that, that, 
pairing really need? Because let's let's face it, Justin well, Hall to shut down pretty- pairing. That's get the puck out of your zone. That's literally their job. Yeah, they're not very mobile. Like Jake Jake Muzzin will go for a skate once in a while, but he's not going. He that's not something he's going to do all the time. Justin Hall used to do it, and I feel like he's lost a step, and that's really cost him. So. Yeah, I think that's that remains. That's why you're hearing that the two of them are on the block because I feel like they're gonna start searching for that guy that can that can get the puck out a little more at ease. Uh, whether they can find the right guy and the for the right price, uh, I don't know. Well, I heard an interesting name. I don't know what the price would be. I'm sure it would be a lot, but an interesting name that I heard today is Jacob Chikrin, potentially. I mean, I doubt. Arizona's looking to move on from him, but he's not having a good start to the year. I think he's leading the league at like a minus 20 or something like that. And who would want to be in Arizona right now? Like that team is just so poor. Um, if you can attach like, you know, Mrazic's contract and, and maybe like another contract and then you give up your, your first round pick or, or like a, a top prospect and you bring in a guy like Chikrin, I mean, that would be a solid addition to this team's top four. And he only has like one assist, too, on the year. It's like he's not even, you know. Yeah, that's like that's usually better. his bread and butter, too, is if he's not, he's usually a lot better offensively as well. I just think, you know, Arizona, first off, they need an NHL goalie. No offense to Scott Wedgwood. He did well. He got them their first win. Well, as but, I said, we'll, we'll give him Mrazic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and look, and Arizona is looking for guys that you know don't always play, so they don't have to. They can keep themselves in the salary cap floor as well. I, I think if you're the Leafs, I think that they're they're gonna really look for to really solidify that top four because yeah. the, the other got, name, the other name that I thought of um, was Colin Miller from Buffalo. It's interesting. Somebody brought that up and some people were just like, nope, nope, just no. And I'm like, well, he did well in Vegas. Are we really going to judge how he plays in Buffalo? Like, He's having a better season in Buffalo too this year. Everyone in Buffalo is having a better season because it's. It, I think the the situation – like when the situation is different, when there's the, – the team is in a better mood and at, the atmosphere around the team is a little different, players are going to thrive. So – that's why you see certain players when they come to like, like look, look at Oscar Chenek. He did much better in Toronto because he was propped up in Toronto and not in a situation where things always go bad, like in Arizona. So, yeah, I think if you can find a guy that doesn't cost a lot, I think that that fourth guy has to be someone that doesn't break the bank, both cap wise and the cost to acquire them. And Colin Moore might actually be that guy because. I don't, I've, I don't have the exact number, but I know he's not on a very expensive contract. 375. Which for a top four is not bad. No, it's not bad at all. Even like Chickering, I think I saw is at like four and a half or four six or something like that. Like if you could, you know, put Dermot and Morazic or Dermot and Hall, or, uh, Hall and Morazic together, and then obviously then you put your full package, but that's just to make the cap work. And they exactly. toss in like a first round pick and maybe – you know, I don't know. You could also toss in like, I don't know, maybe a Robertson or or Amirov or something. You know what I mean? Try and make some sort of deal. Uh, maybe it's a Roni Irvinen. You know, one of their their young Finnish prospects. Um, try and and make some sort of deal. 
with them if 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 you know he wants out. I, I mean, I, I doubt they'll want to move on from him. But it was just a name that I, I heard get popped up today, and I was like, yeah, if he wants out, Toronto should definitely be calling because that's a that's the type of number that the the cost certainty on a on a on a guy like that, um, and that's a great contract. You know, they they made a bet a couple of years ago that he was going to break out, and he did last year. Hasn't quite done the same this year, but that could just be the fact that, well, that team sucks. So it's tough. It's tough to, to be good in, in Arizona. Uh, all right, let's take a, a quick break. When we get back, we'll go through our three stars of tonight's game. And then uh, also the Locked On NHL Power Rankings came out today. Maple Leafs, as you would imagine, moving and shaking up the board. So I'll let you guys know exactly where the Leafs now sit in those power rankings. But before I do, let me tell you about uh, one of our show sponsors, and that's betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the hockey season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the hockey, basketball, and football action all season long. Head to our new updated desktop or web mobile device uh, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive that bonus from basketball to football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And let me tell you, I made the bet today. I bet. I actually parlayed it, the Leafs money line with the under, and that definitely cashed with a 3 nothing win over the Philadelphia Flyers. So, uh, you know, I give that type of information uh, pregame before pretty well every game. So if you go and you sign up for betonline.ag, get yourself that deposit, get yourself some more money in your bank. Uh, I, can, I can, you know, I might be able to, to help with some advice there. So that's betonline.ag, where the game starts. Uh, in conversation with Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, um, also a writer for the NHLPA, I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of Locked on Leafs. And just a reminder that you can listen to this podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you subscribe and make us your first listen of the day. And if you do make us your first listen and you are a daily listener, really appreciate it and thank you so much for your continued supports uh maple leafs with a three nothing win over the philadelphia flyers dave as we do after every game i give my or after every win we do this after wins after losses we try not to talk about it but after a win such as tonight we do our three stars of the game uh you are the guest i will let you go first who is your third star tonight i'm gonna go with nick ritchie um because you know he led the team with seven shots on goal he had a hit. He had two blocks. Sure, he had a bonehead penalty, but he made up for it with the assist on uh, Nylander's second goal of the game. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to uh, Nick Ritchie. A nice, uh, a nice game that maybe will bring some confidence to him. I gave it to, to Austin Matthews. He had uh, two apples on the night, but it wasn't necessarily his offense that I really enjoyed. It was his play away from the puck that I thought was really strong today. Um, you know, I, I, I recall a couple of instances where he did a really good job filling in for the defenseman, supporting D-men. He was hard on back checks. Uh, so I really, really liked kind of the completeness of Austin Matthews game tonight. And the fact that he had a couple apples just kind of adds to it. So 
had to give him my third star. Only two shots on goal tonight, though, which is kind of uh, not what you typically see out of Austin Matthews. He's usually pretty shot happy. But, uh, hey, if, if, if this team can win games without him having to put pucks in the back of the net, then uh, that means that the, the team itself probably had a pretty good performance. So uh, Austin Matthews, my third star. Your second star, sir. I'm going to have to give it to Mr. Willie Styles, William Nylander himself. Uh, I believe he, with the goal tonight, he tied with John Tavares for the team lead in goals with seven. So that's uh, that's a nice little bonus there for Willie. And I think he, I, I've said he's he's a very undervalued player on the power play on that left uh, that left side. That seems to be his bread and butter right now. And he's just beating goalies clean, like not even like screens. So I, I find the Leafs. So I'm uh, I'm making him a central point of the power play. So keep it going. Yeah, I mean the the first goal very fluky for uh, for Willie Styles tonight. Just kind of went off his toe and into the back of the net. But hey, you gotta go if you're going. That's why they say go to the net. You go to the net, good things happen, and that's what he was doing, right? Muzzin saw him going to the net, tried to flip it up to him, goes off his toe and into the back of the net. Uh, originally waved off, but obviously everybody and their mother even knew that that goal was going to count, and eventually it did. Um, I had him as my first star of the game, actually, but my second star is who I'm assuming you had as your first star, and that's Mr. Jack Soupy Campbell. Um, I had him as a second star because, you know, like I alluded to earlier in the podcast, I looked at this as kind of a, a you know, a, a team shutout, right? Like uh, that, that whole coverage sack that I talked about. Um, so, so that's why I kind of gave him the second star. But I mean, thirty-six save performance is nothing, nothing to, nothing to, to, to sniff at. You know what I mean? Like that—that's a pretty solid outing for for Jack Campbell. Um, you know, I, I think that he's 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 really he, he needs to come up big for this team in the wake of this Morazic injury and and coming out and now I think he's played the most games out of anybody in the NHL, more than any goalies in the NHL. Uh, that's it's not what we expected going into the year, but he just keeps coming out night after night, putting up unreal performances, got his second shutout um, of the season. And uh, yeah, so, so I want to give him the second star honors for Mr. Jack Campbell. Yeah, no, the reason why I gave him my first star is he took blame for that Kings loss, which let's be real here. He didn't, he shouldn't have had to own up for that loss, but over his last five games, he has allowed six goals or sorry, seven goals. He's been unreal. Unreal. Two shutouts. Uh, he only allowed one goal to Tampa. He held Boston to two. Like these are not easy teams that he right. has. And go figure, it's LA that gets four on him. Right. But these are these are like you know everyone's talking about his workload, and they're asking if he's going to be able to handle it. Well, <laughs> I don't think he. I think uh, anyone that's questioning that right now, uh, he's he's proven them wrong. I like. I think he's he's going to keep this team going as long as he's able to keep this up. So I hope so because there was some talk about the game against LA being fatigue, right? Like you, you talk about the curiosity of the workload after that loss to to LA, where he wasn't he wasn't as sharp as he normally was. There was a couple of goals there that you know he wants back. I think those first two in particularly, and heck, even the the, the no kicking goal like he probably should have had that that just like crawled in slow motion like react to that a little bit more um 
but then coming out a couple of nights later and putting up a, a 36 save shutout against Philadelphia in their own building. I mean, that kind of quiets that talk a little bit. Don't you think? I think so. I, I, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm really wondering what's going to happen now with the upcoming back to back, how they handle that. Uh, they keep you saying Joseph that, wall might get an opportunity. I don't see, you know what? I understand that wins are important, especially early in the season. But we don't know. Peter Morasic is dealing with a groin injury. Groin injuries with goalies, as we saw, they come back and they can go right back on the shelf. And Michael Hutchinson, they don't have the faith in him. Otherwise, he would have been up right now. I I think, you know, you throw Joseph Wool, whichever game you think is the easiest one, likely the one against the Sabres, although in Buffalo – it's not the easy environment for a goal uh, for any opposing player. They have, they have like 800 fans in that building right now. It'll be. Fun. But it's it's the Leafs. They're gonna. They're you know. But you know, Buffalo fans are not gonna make things easy on the Leafs. But I will say, hey, the border's rather, open now. Toronto can travel. Oh yeah, let's so. uh, let's get the QEW rivalry going. But I think yeah, I would say you're gonna throw him if you're gonna give him a start. Buffalo's the easy one because Calgary it, like. For Campbell, I want to see if he plays against Calgary. That's a team that's, you know, everyone's saying second best team in Canada for a lot of, uh, especially people out West. So I think if I'm Jack Campbell, you're going up against Jacob Markstrom, who's on his game. It would be a great goaltending duo there. So, and I think Joseph will, you know, we got to see what this kid can do. We need to see what these prospects can do. Yeah, I, I, I totally concur. I agree with you. You brought up some solid points there. Um, I'm excited for that game on Friday. That should be a fun one. The Hall of Fame game between the Leafs and uh, the Leafs in Calgary. Coming back to Toronto for that one before heading back out onto the road. So, yeah, that should be a good game. I believe Campbell, I mean, should get that start. And then put a, put uh, put whoever the backup is in night two, the back-to-back against the, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so those are our three stars. A quick note that I did uh, hear Sheldon keep talking about postgame. Uh, so John Tavares, as we know, missed tonight's game. Deemed day-to-day with a lower body injury that he suffered in the 5-1 loss uh, to L.A. Tuesday night. Should not be out long-term, according to Sheldon Keefe. Should be back relatively soon. And uh, so that's, that's positive news, I guess. That, that's good news, right? Um, don't know if that means he'll be back on Friday. But, you know, the fact that this isn't expected to be anything long-term is, is really good news for the Maple Leafs because John Tavares was playing some elite, elite level hockey, possibly the best that he's looked since coming to Toronto. Yeah, I, and, and they said that, you know, because of how much he skated today, that was very positive for them that, you know, sometimes when you're, you're trying to itch to get on the ice, you only get up for a little bit. The fact that he was able to put in a good amount of time on the ice, that's, that should be positive. And look, I mean, that game in Philly was, was a little rough. So, I mean, you don't want to put, you want to save your captain coming back for, you know, if one game makes a difference between how he feels, you know, with a night off, might as well do it. You know, it's a full season. You don't want to have to, you know, say we need to get John Tavares in against the Flyers on the game on November 10th. Let's let's save him for the more important games. Yeah, like that game tonight was chippy. Like it was very chippy, right? Like you had like Giroux just kind of blowing past, you know, bunting, knocking him down, and then Konechny getting up into his face. And you, know, you had a couple other times where there was just some chippiness going on 
uh, throughout the game. So, and he, you, Farabee too. I thought Farabee was getting a little, getting into some guys' right. grills. And, you know, you expect that, right? When you go into Philadelphia, that's exactly what you expect to see. So, yeah, maybe tonight was a good idea. Give him the night off because um, you knew it was going to be a physical one. And, and the Leafs were able to, to roll in there and get the two points pretty handily with, uh, with a 3 nothing win. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's finish up here with a discussion about the Locked On NHL Network power rankings. They just got released today. Over, uh, you can check them out. The full listing, I I retweeted it on the uh, Locked On Leafs account, where you can check it all out. But the Maple Leafs last week they were ranked 19th because of the very poor start to the season, right? Where do you think they ended up after this week or last week, rather? Um, the voting closed Monday, no Tuesday. Voting closed Tuesday. Okay. Well, they were so they went on that five-game win streak, and then they lost the stinker to LA. I still think they would have probably gotten bumped up. Maybe I'll be a little. I won't go too homery. I'll say maybe like ninth. 10th. Oh, so you're close. Very close. Yeah. They, they moved up to 10th in the NHL, which I think makes sense. I mean, I think this is a top 10 team and they still have a lot that they have to prove. Um, the fact that the depth had, you know, didn't score for what, 11 days before today, like four games, like basically five full games, essentially. Right. Like it was, the third period in October 30th, and they didn't score again until the third period here on November 10th. Like they went almost five full games without a goal. Um, you know, that usually top 10 teams don't go five games with just four guys rolling and scoring. Um, somehow they did. And, and a lot of that had to do with some heroics from Jack Campbell. I mean, you think about the game against Tampa Bay, keeping a minute, the game against um, Chicago, even keeping them in that one. Uh, and he was also phenomenal in, in the victory against uh, against uh, Boston. So there's a couple of big wins there in Vegas, clearly with the shutout as well. So he was he was unreal, which is a big reason why they were able to to kind of have that big time winning streak to to get the Leafs back moving and shaking uh, in the right direction. So moving up and and now currently at tenth. And I mean, I, I think if they can keep going, keep playing the way that they're playing right now. Um, I see no reason why they can't remain in the top 10. Like we're through how many games now has it been? What? 14 games after tonight. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. What's, what's your overall impression on the first month of the season here for Toronto? Would you say that they're about the 10th best team in the NHL to this point? I think that's about a pretty good and accurate, uh, accurate ranking for them. Yeah, because, I mean, their offense was just god-awful for a good stretch. Yeah. And even defensively, they weren't great. So, I think we're, what truly tells you what a, te- what a team is is the goal differential. Right now, they're a minus one. Last season, they were, uh, if I can quickly check. You know what's interesting, though? They're like 20 – check and see how many goals they've scored. I think they're like, like 20th in like goals, goals four. So so far this season, they have scored. Yeah, I have to scroll down a bit. They are they've scored thirty six. Right. Teams ahead of them, like 
and and surprising enough, Anaheim is third. I just want to point out there, like that is not something I expected. <laughs> Troy Terry's having an unreal season, sidebar, but Troy Terry, go pick him up in fantasy people if he's out there. Yeah, so yeah, they're they're quite down there. They have 36. Uh What's you the know, ranking is is uh you have the ranking there probably somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, I'm just trying to count this. I think they were like twenty sixth or twenty seventh coming into they've, the they've definitely have moved they've definitely moved up. Because Arizona is right down at the bottom. I, Leafs are definitely a lot higher than I think a lot of people think. They're probably around 16, 17. It doesn't going to be the exact number. No way. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Let's check this out. There's no way. Because I'm pretty sure they came into tonight, like, ranked, like, 20. Yeah, they're 13th right now in goals, goals scored. Well, goals per game. Goals per yeah. game. They're 13th in goals per game. Yeah, that's how. That's what I've. Uh, that's what I'm reading right here. I gotta. I gotta double take a double peek at that because I thought I saw that they were like 23rd or something like that, 25th maybe. Oh, sorry, no. They, okay, I don't know if they've updated. So it says they're 26 in goals per game, goals four per game. So I don't know if they if yes, they've included okay. that tonight. Um, if they did, then that's where they stay. Right. Uh, so taking a look, yeah. So twenty six at two point five seven goals per game. Yeah, yeah. So that's the number that I'm looking at too. Yet they're number one in the league in expected goals. It's not for a lack of chances, and I've constantly said with this team, it's not the lack of chances; it's execution and shooting percentage. Like I don't, I'm trying to find the shooting percentage right now because I guarantee it's uh, it's quite because I in shots against. Uh, shots four per game, they're like right. They're seventh at thirty four and a half. Like they're putting shots on net. Yeah, it's more so the um, you know the shooting percentage. I guarantee the shooting percent. Uh, I I, I, I I believe there was like some uh, some sort of graphic that said the the Leafs were shooting like the core four were shooting like seventy percent on the year, and then like the rest of the team was shooting like four percent. Like something dumb like that. So uh, let me see if I can find it really quickly. That's uh, goaltending. Yeah, it, but it's it's you know it, it just goes to show like sometimes analytics are aren't everything because at the end of the day, you gotta score goals. Gotta score goals as as many as possible. Yeah, seven point three percent shooting percentage. That's yeah. the team shooting percentage right now. Seven point three, and that's 29th in the league. That's not where you want them to be. Like no. you, you don't want them to be at a ridiculous rate. Like the Edmonton Oilers at twelve point six percent, and Florida's at eleven. Like you want, you do want them to be probably ten, about ten and up. But I mean, this team, other than like you look at who's scoring the goals, and like you know, they don't have a, as we said, they don't have a lot of shooters because below after Matthews, Tavares. I mean, Marner's not really much of a shooter. You know, it was one of their most, like, I don't want to say confident in a good way, but somebody who, like, seems to be a weirdly volume shooter for this team, especially lately. Well, there's two guys. A, Wayne Simmons. And yeah. B, Pierre Engvall. Last little bit has been, like, a volume shooter for the Maple Leafs. And Not I'm, scoring. Neither of them are burying. Neither of them are putting the puck in the back of the net. But they're getting, they're getting shots on goal. And they're getting opportunities in great places to score, too. Yeah, but, I think both of those guys are due. I mean, I thought Wayne Simmons was going to be the one to break the streak. Like, this guy has two or three 
high danger chances a game. Like the guy's coming in, he's got at least one or two breakaways per game somehow. Like I, I feel like that guy's about to score. You know what I mean? Like it really does seem like he's going to put the puck in the back of the net at some point. But and it also doesn't help that none of the defensemen have like other than Muzzin. Yeah, he's worth the, what the one goal in Detroit. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and since then nothing. Nada. Nada. And like it's not for a lack of like that. Tate brings on your shooting percentage because they're, you know, their defensemen put pucks on net. I mean, yeah, I think they don't really have guys though, like who score. No. You know, like they just don't have that that type of defenseman. Like Jake Muzzin isn't that guy either, right? And and he scored. He's got a goal. He's not that guy. Right, I mean, like Morgan Riley is is your best offensive weapon as a defenseman. You know, he scored twenty a couple of years ago, so he's the only one who I would look at and say I'm surprised he doesn't have a goal or he's not scoring a little bit more. But like, I mean, Sandine isn't necessarily a big threat. Timothy Lilligren's not a threat. Hall's not scoring goals. You're not going to get goals out of T.J. Brody. You know, so like, there's not really many guys on this on this defense on this blue line that score anyway. Yeah, and I think it's also where they're shooting the puck from. Like Morgan Raleigh, I'm seeing too many of those shots from the point that it's either it's they're getting covered up by the goalie or they're getting blocked. He's more dangerous when he's able to get those opportunities, you know, in the slot or a little bit lower. So, like that's that's where he thrives. So they don't really have that guy that's going to bomb it from the point. Although he almost almost scored in Boston. But who was it? Uh, Bergeron who kind of got in behind Olmark there and, yeah. and you know made that stop. Always Bergeron. I know, I know. But hey, moving and shaking, buddy. Moving and shaking in the right direction. Uh, and then after tonight's three nothing victory over Philly, I guarantee you, guarantee you, they may even start to creep a little bit higher into the single digits if they can keep it rolling. Uh, another game coming down on Friday. It's the Hall of Fame game against the Calgary Flames. But I will have another podcast for you to tee that one up. Uh, that's to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. And Dave, let the good folks know where they can follow you and if you got anything that you want to plug. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, D underscore Morisuti. Uh, I've been delving a little bit into the F1 stuff lately that's yeah. been keeping a lot of my attention now was that after like did you just oh. randomly become an f1 fan after the uh what was that documentary that came out i have to survive no i was i, I was a, i was an f1 fan growing up as a kid kind of fell out of it a little bit picked it up oh probably about 10 years ago and i've been following it steadily i even went to the monaco racetrack a few years ago awesome scene I uh, really encourage anybody that's looking for something to watch on a Sunday other than football so you can catch it before you watch your NFL game. F1 racing, it's it's come alive, especially in the States. Yeah, no, there's there's been a lot of, a lot of love over F1 as of late thanks to that documentary that came out. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I've heard good things, and I, I, it's, it's, on my, it's on my to-watch list at some point. And it, once once you get into it, Mike, some good coins to be made in uh, betting on some F1. I've, I've done pretty well for myself. 
Ooh, you hear that? You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? You can even make some good coin. I know betonline.ag does have some auto racing options. So, hey, go read up on some of uh, some of Dave's work. Get a couple of tidbits, and maybe you can make some money there that way. Uh, Dave, once again, uh, really appreciate you joining me. It was fun tonight. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, all right, folks. I will be back with another episode for y'all tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.